Welcome to The Journey of a Singer with me, your host, Nick Pritchard. This is the podcast where we dive into the fascinating and unique journeys of those individuals within the creative industry. Today, I had the pleasure of chatting with Jaguar Land Rover automotive designer and my best friend, Alexi Andreev. Alexi and I have known each other for 15 years. We share a passion for the gym, working hard and achieving our lofty ambitions. In today's podcast, we discuss the importance of a strong brand and marketing techniques. Alexi explains how his work ethic and mindset towards the gym has helped to secure his dream job with Jaguar Land Rover. Alexi also shares techniques that have propelled his success working at the prestigious automotive manufacturer. This podcast is also fun and lighthearted. Alexi and I are best friends, and it was great covering a range of entertaining topics. So sit back and join us on the journey of a singer with today's guest, Alexi Andreev. We're live. Yeah, buddy. This is awesome. Dude, you know... Actually, you are the one person that I've been most excited about having on the podcast. We've probably wanted to do a podcast together for like 10 years. Probably 10 sit years. Down, to sit down like this with a microphone and stuff. Yeah. We have known each other for how long? Well, if we were 13, so probably we're about 13, 14 years. That's a long time. Yeah. And we were kind of enemies. We were enemies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were arch nemesis in year seven and year eight because there was real rivalry, like competition. Yeah. Arm wrestles. Competition for the alpha male. Who has like, better abs. Yeah. <laughs> then when we got to year nine, joined forces. We joined forces. And we've been best friends we've since. We've been best friends. I can, I can happily say you've been my best friend since year nine. Dude, it's an honor and the same for you, yeah. 100%. I think our, one of the most binding things for us two is our shared passion for ambition. Big time. I don't think I've ever met anyone. I tell you what, this is, this is the term that me and you use that probably other people use, but whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Yeah. And Yeah, whatever it takes. We've been doing whatever it takes since year nine. The great right. thing is we both from a young age knew exactly what we wanted to do yeah and we both had a game plan and i think so far as execution you've executed more of your game plan because right. i remember when we were chatting in year year 10 11 and you were talking about oh you you know car design i want to be a car designer yep you technically achieved that goal like straight out the bat of uni because you'd you'd lined yourself up by doing the course that you did. Yep. So that when you came out of uni with the work experience you had, you basically like kicked down the front door yeah. into, into your job. Because so far as I know, not many people from your course get the role that you've got from, from that. Yeah, yeah. It's very competitive. Like basically, so I probably wanted to be, wanted to do car design since I was four. I remember I'd draw cars and stuff like that. Uh, but my grandma and people around me would say, well, it's not really a real job. It doesn't actually exist. So roundabout, when you and I were gymming loads and you know talking about ambition, motivation, that's when once I was sitting down and I Googled it one day and I realized absolutely the job of like drawing a car, designing what a car looks like, literally exists. And there's no physics involved. There's no maths. It's purely creative. It's not an engineering job. And that's when I was like, that's it. That actually exists. That's my you know, calling in life. I'm going to do whatever it takes to do that. We talked about those kind of things 
our ambitions like constantly and we still do yeah and we're constantly reflecting on what we need to do what's the next thing how far we've come yeah and even though you live in coventry we still meet up regularly and we still to this day still into the gym that still train with the intensity that we trained at the age of 15 16 17 yeah and we we're going to train after this we meet up we train together we go hard I think a lot of that is to do. We go probably harder than most professional bodybuilders. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Honestly, well, I, I honestly think we could train with anyone. We'll, we'll match anyone on intensity, hundred percent. When we train together, is another level, bro. It's yeah. another level. We are like, <laughs> we are animals in the yeah. gym. We are yeah. crushing the weights. I love Whatever it so it takes. much. Whatever it takes, baby. Which comes from the five percenter, Rich yeah, piano. Rich piano. That was another thing that we we bonded over at school was bodybuilding. Yeah, <laughs> I remember one time? Do you remember when you used to um, hide the pictures of bodybuilders around the library? <laughs> <laughs> we would print out the most niche bodybuilders. You know, we're not talking about like our uh, Jay. We do Jay Cutler as well, but we're talking about like Mike Katz, the freaks. Yeah, the we freaks. We print, print out freaks and niche classic physiques. Yeah. Yeah. Print, print photos of them. <laughs> I think it's just the satisfaction of watching people's reactions. And then hide them like around the library <laughs> and just just watch as people looked up and be like, what the hell? And another thing I remember, which was probably even funnier than putting those pictures around the library, was when <laughs> Peter... <laughs> Peter hacks the hacks the system, the school system. Yeah. So, so basically, what Peter did is he figured out how to send emails that looked like they were from somebody else. So remember that that teacher who was always doing like mindfulness every week, he'd like send out a mindfulness video. So Peter figured out how to send an email from this what looked like from this guy's email, then got a video of mindfulness, like edited it so after 30 seconds there's just a video of Arnold posing <laughs> <laughs> and sent it around it was amazing because my teacher which was yeah, not yeah. the brightest the form tutor and she thought it was part of the mindfulness thing <laughs> <laughs> so some of the funniest times were from when we were at school yeah and we love to reminisce about that because we were top students we were the hardest working students there was nobody on our level of revision to this day they talk about you and i and how we would go into the exam hall train how you fight we simulate the exams yes i was listening to like jocko or maybe it wasn't jocko then but it would always be like these like navy seal podcasts be like yeah train how you fight train how you fight so i was thinking well so i should i should simulate <clears throat> the exam conditions and i took i took that from you and i used it in my degrees at uni i used yeah. it for my masters yeah. i would do the same thing and to this day and i know this because my brothers are younger than me my youngest brother's 10 years younger than me right they have assemblies and they bring us up and they're like these two kids went to george abbott and they simulated the exams and they talk about how we used to yeah uh, train for exams because i i would argue you and i are both smart like we have a yeah. good iq but they're definitely kids at that school with a higher iq than us like undoubtedly oh loads yeah yeah yeah. but we always especially because we well i mean you've always been like super good at math stuff whereas i've been not that good to be honest and you so, did math so basically i did every single paper every single past paper hours and hours supervision and i still 
got like nervous in the exam and basically screwed it up. But because I was so prepared, I still was like one, you know, mm -hmm. one off A star, whatever it was. But um, yeah, that definitely taught me the hard work big time. And what I loved about yeah. that is, so far as I'm aware, you didn't need no, maths. No, 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 no. Maths, physics. I did. Yeah, I, I didn't need maths or physics at all. And they're arguably some of the harder A levels you can take. And you did them anyway, and you committed to them anyway. Yeah. And I just love that, man, because yeah. I'm kind of the same where the degrees that I've done, international management, masters, um, economics and sports science degrees, dude, and now I'm singing, like, yeah, were they relevant? Did I need to be doing 15 hour a day revision things to do what I'm doing now? Hell, no, but I literally felt my brain growing like a muscle yeah, when yeah, I yeah. did that stuff. Especially the maths, I mean, <clears throat> the maths and physics, especially the maths. I think it teaches you, for example, still to this day, you know, when I'm at work and I'm trying to figure out a problem, uh, you know, uh, trying to understand like an engineering input and trying to understand how to think differently about an engineering input. Um, I'm always trying to take things back to like first principles of, you know, trying to derive the problem and um, or kind of derive a solution out of the problem. Uh, definitely doing math stuff really helped mm -hmm. with that because it makes you think like okay what are our elements what well, we've got this we've got that how do these interact etc logically but ultimately this is the thing so you know we were saying we were both like super into bodybuilding super into training that is something that you and i share that we then directly transfer into our professions and for some reason i don't know what it is there's a lot of bodybuilders that aren't able to transfer that work ethic into finances, relationships, yeah. whatever. And we've been able to do that. Yeah. And that intensity, when we're at the gym and we're training, that intensity, when you hit that resistance, when I'm working and I hit resistance, I know I can push past it. Yeah. It's like an extra rep. Yeah. And that's what I love. I love that like symbiotic relationship between the two no absolutely absolutely and <clears throat> you know we still have a you know long way to go on our journeys to really fulfill all our goals etc but fundamentally it, it really is that it's that mental understanding of pushing yourself through something that you don't want to do and that you can apply that to anything you could be a freaking you know whatever you could have a cleaning company you could own a mattress distribution company you could be a singer you could be a designer you could be whatever you can always apply that principle 100 and that's what's so good about when we meet up we kind of we recalibrate our mm. you know whatever it is our motivation through the gym that way it's through the gym and it's through the chats like we basically have had a podcast for the last 10 years yeah. It just hasn't been recorded. Yeah, yeah, Every yeah. time we meet up, this is what we In the sauna about. as well. Yeah, sauna, sauna <laughs> chats. I love it. I love That's it, right. dude. It's so, so much fun meeting up. Um, back to the school thing. That's where I disagree with the people that are like, oh, the school system's broken. I actually think that school teaches you things where your brain grows and it's up to you to then decide how to use that muscle yeah and i think the people that say are oh, the school system's broke like it might be in, in a lot of different areas but you're still training 
if you didn't go to school, the lack of deadlines, the lack of you, this paper has to be in by here. You got to do this that you don't want to do. You got to then that level of freedom and flexibility isn't actually good for a growing brain. You need that discipline. You need someone with a cane to be like, you got to get this done. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we don't have the cane I, anymore, but I think as well, like because we did very like logic based subjects. No matter what you do, that'll always help you loads. Mm. So because we did you know maths physics obviously i did art and whatnot but um those no matter what you're gonna do you could be anyone and just an understanding of doing like maths to a certain level or physics to a certain level i think really helps i don't know what school is like if you're doing other subjects you know how much it sets you up because if you you know i guess thinking about it it don't it is probably like a waste of time if you're doing if you probably now if i went back to school with what i know now maybe i don't know would i spend as much time on the maths and physics or would i just start learning whatever i need to do for what i want to do then i think you would because that wide variety yeah is really it's like yeah true it's like yeah. um the latest research <coughs> they've got on how to be the best possible athlete what they say now is you should start at the age of five doing gymnastics yeah so you start with gymnastics, you do that for a couple of years, and then you do everything. You get like a wide, wide, wide base, and then you yeah. narrow in on stuff. I think it's so important to have a wide knowledge base. Yeah, um, especially to be in, if you're doing something creative. And th this is just my opinion. I'm job. sure there's people that are like, no, you should you should specify, you should narrow in. But I think having that wide base allows you to think laterally in ways and come up with ideas that other people don't true you know actually <clears throat> i agree with that because for example let's say if you're if you're a designer whether it be like a product designer a car designer or graphic designer or any sort of creative person in that sense you need that outside context of the world to come up with new and interesting ideas and if you're too locked into what you're doing yeah that's why one one of the perks is that of that sort of career is gathering inspiration which obviously means not sitting down and doing work but it means walking around you know going to london going wherever so actually yeah you're probably right if you narrow down too early maybe it's maybe it actually wouldn't help that much because you'd be too you know rigid and f overly over focused if that makes sense so. but we also have quite a narrow goal so whilst we're getting the wide knowledge base we both had a very narrow fixed goal as to what we wanted to do yeah um, but we were willing and flexible and agile enough to navigate through different paths to get to that goal. And we're still on that. That's probably the best combination, actually. Yeah. You're right. And we would both, I mean, I would write my stuff down. I used to write down, I have 80% average on my degree. And people would think that's bananas. Like, right. You can't get 80% average. Like, you can't even get 80% on, on a single paper because 80% at university level is considered publishable material. Yeah. I averaged 80% on my degree and my master's degree. Right. And I would write it down and I'd put it whilst I was studying for hours and hours a day and it would be in front of me there. This is where our method of being motivated is a little bit different is I like to I like to use obviously positive thinking is super important and I think positively about all life all the time and work whatever but i like to use the negative aspect of the like nitty gritty of like you know i suck i'm really not good at this you know 
I need to improve. I'm not good enough. If I don't do this, I'm 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 gonna barely make it. If I make it, I'll barely make it. So actually, for me, I was probably different in that sense. Is and you know, I still I don't I don't feel in any way, um, you know, like I've achieved anything yet in in my life in that sense. I think it's really important to be super harsh on yourself. Hmm. Sometimes I could be doing something, I'll be super really stressed, out, especially like at uni, trying to get secure like a job after uni and stuff. I'd be like, damn. I'm going to finish uni. I'm not going to have a job. This is going to, this is a disaster. It's actually weird. Like it's really negative. I get like super stressed about it. But And you're right. That is where we have differed in our approaches. Cause I remember yeah. having this same conversation a few times and, um, we're, we're literally opposites on, on that thing. Cause I, yeah. I literally brainwash myself. So I'll fall asleep yeah. to tapes saying things like I am the greatest. I right, like, right. all this kind of stuff. And I basically, brainwash myself yeah i think that that's the difference whereas when you're designing something you need to, i mean when you design stuff you're you're constantly getting humbled you mm. know i found that really backfired for me in rugby because it's a team sport and yeah I, I was kind of like really trying to be the best that i could be yeah and coming across really confident super backfired because right. There's a real culture of being humble, even if you're really good. Yeah, exactly. And you never want to say like, I'm the best at this or whatever. Uh, but by the way, when I say that these things, I don't go into public and say these, th I, I, I do subliminal. Um, yeah, yeah. It's more for yourself to build hypnosis is what yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I have hypnosis um, tapes that I use quite a lot. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm massively into the subconscious mind. I spoke about it before on this podcast with the reticular activating system, which filters yeah. out stimuli. And I'm and I'm trying to hypnotize my reticular active system to filter out anything that isn't to do with yeah. what I've trained it to do. It's funny in what you were saying about the rugby. It's probably the same in my industry where if you nobody likes any someone who's making it all about themselves or claiming to have done something because it is it is probably and that's what sense similar to rugby where it's such a team effort you know mm -hmm. when you work on a car when i was a student before i used to think that when you work on a project that you do the for example you know a car you'll see on the street very often if you like google it it'll be like this person did that or this mm -hmm. person did that but actually it's such a long complicated process it's such a team effort you know yeah. it takes multiple people to the point to where you almost forget which bits you did which bits someone else did because it's 100%. it's so intermixed it's also a societal thing like Brit british people is it's more of a conservative culture yeah so true if you go to dubai it's all about show 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 like yeah. it's, and there's a less there's less class there the great thing about brits is internationally they're known at a certain level to be classy even yeah, just yeah. the way you go to america and they'll talk about how the brits talk like the accent you just yeah, sound you yeah, sound smarter is, is yeah, what they say and in the us it, it can be a bit more about you know the american dream and i made it and they actually quite respect yeah that. i think it's one thing i noticed i think in america it's way more accepted to be like super ambitious in a way whereas mm. probably here it's more yeah but you're right because it's more in this country you I'm, can't just if you if you go out and you're like i'm gonna be a billionaire or something you know i'm gonna mm. do this i'm gonna do that people are like oh okay mm -hmm. you know absolutely but probably in america it's like yeah man 
You yeah. got it, bro. What, what, changed, <laughs> what changed my perspective and actually changed the course of my life was reading the 50 law, 48 Laws of Power. Yeah. And in that book, it talks about talking less. It talks about never seeming too perfect because yeah. people don't like perfect. They hate, like, honestly, if you're doing an amazing job, what benefit do you think it has to you to right. tell other people how amazing you are? Right. They're just going to be jealous. They're going to, there's very small percentage of the population yeah. that will respect that and be like, go for it. Most people will be haters and, and jealous about it or will just not care. No one really cares. So what benefit is it to be like shouting? About no, and, and ultimately ignoring like what anyone else thinks, I think it really is really damaging to over like state your own, mm -hmm. you know, achievements and stuff. Because as soon as you do well in something, that will, that is your biggest enemy. You know, as soon as you've had like, even on like a micro, like on like a small level where if let's say you're, again, let's say you're designing for a project and you have a review and the review goes well and you, you get this like high and then you're like, ah, yeah, I can relax for a bit. And that's your worst enemy because then you'll, you, yeah, you get complacency. What is it? Better to over achieve and undersell right yeah or something as yeah. opposed to the opposite so you don't under promise you, over under deliver promise, under it. promise over deliver yeah and then i also heard that it's better to not celebrate as much no as no always. no you know what i always think about you should never ever 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 under no circumstances ever start to celebrate until you've crossed crossed the finish line and the analogy i always use is when you see a cyclist right and they're going and they see the finish line and they're like woo put their hands up they're not over the finish line yet and then they hit a stone chip or whatever they fall and and people overtake them or whatever or sometimes sometimes they fall completely but sometimes there's someone chasing them they start celebrating and that person just about mm -hmm. beats them over the line to be honest in my opinion you should always be harsh on yourself in at least person I don't know. I mean, maybe you think of it differently, but in the way I think of it, I have to be harsh on myself. I'm not good enough. However, I, I think of that in the sense of I can do anything as in like, you don't want to feel like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to achieve anything, but I need to, I'd, I'd have to do everything possible. And if I mm. slip up a, a, even a little amount, it's really common in the performance industry for yeah. people to be, really self-critical like a lot of people yeah. that i've spoken to as performers are really over critical because yeah, yeah, yeah. they're watching back tapes of themselves performing and i think what i've been able to do is be really critical of myself but just not take it personally yeah, yeah. oh Whereas yeah yeah you should never take it personal i think people people in the performance industry look at it and they go oh that was shit therefore i'm shit I look yeah. at it and go, that was shit. What can I do to like yeah, exactly. better it next time? I think there's a, there's a subtle but big difference there. No, absolutely. It's the same in any creative industry, even if any like design industry as well. If you're, if you're receiving feedback, um, there are people who will take it personal and that is such the wrong approach. Mm. You have to just completely detach mm -hmm. uh, from your work because it's not your soul on like a piece of paper. It's not your soul on a object. It's just, that's just, you just have to face the reality, you know? Mm -hmm. 
and, and and really you can't be successful if you don't do that i think yeah well so here's a little caveat to that someone like kanye west or someone that's at like the top of their game where everyone that they're reporting to is like a yes man so they're like yeah that was amazing well done well done because they don't want yeah but people like that they hate those people like any any anyone i've met like anyone i've met who i i see them as they've made it the first thing they hate is people who just like tell them what they want to hear mm. in fact they probably appreciate it when they get when th their opinion gets contradicted by someone because it's like oh a breath of fresh air because mm. that's that i honestly i mean i have no experience with that because i'm just uh in terms of you know i'm just working on a working level but from what i see i think that's a massive problem for like leaders is um just yes men you know mm. whether it be like presidents or big ceos or that's whatever. why it's really crucial for for example presidents to have a wife or partner oh yeah, that yeah, can yeah. tell it to them straight yeah. i listened to um who's the london mayor at the moment um sadiq, Khan. sadiq. yeah it, this is totally impartial to the politics. This is yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. what we're talking about here. Yeah. And he was saying that basically his wife makes him take out the bins, makes him like do the chores around the house. And so even though they can afford a cleaner. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's not about that. It's about having that person who can tell you when you're in the wrong and can say yeah. it to your face because you get to a certain level and all of a sudden everyone wants to be your friend everyone wants you everyone yeah. everyone's clapping you saying yes for example you and i i, I also think we can call each other out on stuff and yeah, that's, yeah that's what Absolutely, makes yeah. our friendship really great is we we can be honest and kind of call each other out if we're not, not. No, i i completely agree and it's probably it's really useful having like a um yeah, like a girlfriend or a wife who does that. Because I, I feel like we glanced over it pretty quickly. Yeah. Let's talk about how many projects we've actually done together. I, I could just bounce off loads on my hand now. So you designed my YouTube channel logo. You've designed my current logo on my website yeah. as well. Yeah. You filmed with Peter my YouTube channel. Yeah. Designed the vegan pots for a supplement company that we kind of like co-worked on yeah in a sense the microwave muscle meals oh yeah that, that we did good. together but there's a number of projects like this isn't new this whole podcasting thing creative process yeah we love it we just we live, love we it we love it yeah, and yeah, you yeah. went all the way <laughs> to florida to yeah to film produce and write a documentary on your own back yeah like uh, this creative pro this is also why I wanted to get you on. You're in a corporate creative profession. Yeah. The fundamentals of your job is very creative. Super creative, yeah. Probably like one of the most creative professions you could get in a way other than like concept art and film, but yeah, it's really up there, you know. We really always strive to go away from something that is boring or like too feasible we're always like looking to push and think outside the box so it's a super super creative profession big time but like you're saying it has to work in like a corporate environment if that makes sense you're the link between are, are you always limited by like the finance team saying oh that we can't make that work like in the ford ferrari mm. film where the finance teams are always like no it's not possible or like the logistics but then the creative people are like oh no we can do this and yeah you basically have to like strike a balance between what's on this universe what what you know what makes sense to do and thinking outside the box 
because like 99% of the time what you think of outside the box is probably pointless because you can't make it or you can't do it so you know what the job is actually all about thinking outside the job within limitations that's probably the, that's probably what makes design design rather than concept art because mm. when you're designing something for a film you know especially if it's all cgi there is no limitations you could do whatever you want but if you're designing something that has to be mass produced on the road in real life and that's not just you know that doesn't go for just car design i mean whoever is probably iphone designers or you know any other product designers watch designers anything that's mass produced i mean that is really really difficult because you have to strike a balance of something that's new that's fresh that looks good but at the same time you know it has to work it has to someone's going to buy it and own it do you eventually get to the point where you have an understanding of of the mechanics and yeah the, yeah yeah big time yeah it's a fundamental part of the job i think i think if you don't do that you're not really uh you're not really designing you think of any object like a camera or whatever uh, there's manufacturing processes there's constraints in terms of how it's made how it's assembled like a phone a phone is assembled in a factory you have to think of a way of how it's going to be assembled which means that you can't do things which would be difficult for someone to assemble or you know etc mm. and that applies to en- designing any object really what i love about the car design aspect is ultimately any car is mo- or a lot of cars are like an emotional object i.e you know people like to have a nice car you know they they don't they could just get the cheapest car but they don't they want a nice mm-hmm. car so there's like an emotional connection it's kind of like a watch so you can add that element of desire and emotion in there that's something so I've it makes it more interested i've yeah. always wondered why does a luxury car make you feel a certain way why does the human body think that's the car that i want and i'm willing to spend loads of money on it without knowing the performance it's purely based on the look imagine you just had like a beaten down car right and then let's say just a ferrari yeah classic sports car and you didn't know the performance or the engine you weren't looking under the bonnet none of that stuff yeah you'd be willing to spend way more on the the one that looks the best yeah. and i've just always I've you know always what's super interesting about that? about that you know what what i find super fascinating really fascinates me let's say you have a beat up car and a ferrari but if the beat up car was in a movie that car or was owned by you know like two packs bmw that's bit that's like got bullet holes in it that is a bmw with bullet holes in it but because it's two packs bmw it's worth way more than the ferrari or like a, a you know a rolex which is just you could have like you know a richard mill super expensive watch but then a rolex worn in a film purely because it has that story attached to it is worth way more and is way more like desirable yeah. i'm trying to really understand really on a molecular level the mechanics of why so and so celebrity's car who's died is why that adds so much value why we really care mm. is it like bragging what, rights is a lot of it bragging is it no i don't think they so go around I, and be like i've got two packs car is that what people no because i've met a lot of people who have some crazy watch collections and they like hide it they do not you know they're not they're definitely mm. definitely don't have them to brag that is it a japanese thing where they talk about 
the energy of an object might be a Japanese principle. Are these people buying things because the object holds holds the energy of Elvis Presley, for example? Yeah, maybe. Um, I'm I'm really trying to. Kind you know, Elvis's Elvis's um, jet is available. I don't know if it's the full jet or if it's still working. At one point, it was only 800 grand. I'd have to look into that. But I remember thinking, man, that the the Presley estate must now just be thinking, how can we like siphon off? Like no one's using this jet. Yeah, it's costing us too much. We can siphon it off and put his name under it, and it suddenly the value goes up. It's like Simon Sinek. Have you heard of him? You might have seen a few of his videos. He taught, he's got a book actually called Start With Why. And it's all about, don't tell people what they're buying. Tell yeah. people why they're buying it. And it's all about that story. Yeah, You know, I'm not a marketer, but I my brand is, I think, very strong. If you're booking me to sing somewhere, you know you're getting a luxury item. It's a luxury product and I market towards luxury clients. That's kind of my brand at the moment um, in terms of my music. Right. Most of of my private clients are luxury end clients and that's because that's my store i market towards them that is the power of a brand you could be and i've said this story if um not on the podcast but i've said this to you a few times there's not much difference in the functionality of a primark bag and a gucci bag right? let's say is it's 10% different like the Gucci bag is maybe 10% different. Yeah, it's probably like built better and stuff But yeah, ultimately it's not right, yeah. but the price is a thousand times more. Let's say I'm using these as arbitrary No, yeah, yeah, no, I totally get it So the price of the Gucci bag is a hundred times more than the Primark bag, but the functionality is only 10% yeah. different That is the importance you have to be five to ten percent better than the other product but if you market to the right people, that doesn't make your price five to ten percent better. It makes it fifty to a hundred times better. Yeah, and I think also, um, you know, I mean, with say a Gucci bag, if you have a Gucci bag, or again, if you wear a Rolex or you even try on a Rolex, the way it makes you feel, that's I guess that's really what you're paying for, and that is you're you're kind of paying for the history of the brand. You know, I mean, Gucci's been around for a long time or Rolex has been around for a long time and there's so many cool stories attached to it. And so you, when you own, let's say, let's say you have a Gucci bag or let's say you have a whatever, whatever luxury brand it is, you then become part of that story. I think it's, the, I think that's a key element. Like you look at a brand, you really uh, associate kind of positive thoughts with it like feelings of success with it like successful people have this brand and so when you buy into that you you're like i'm part of this you know i'm part of that and you know that that's absolutely genuine because you're buying a lot some people are like oh it's an why would i pay for that but actually you're paying for that feeling that you get and that sense of that positive emotion that you get but isn't it funny if you take it up another level the people with serious money yeah. actually don't buy into that and they try and buy into like the blander, the clothing. Well, I think when you go further up, it gets more into something I call stealth wealth, mm. meaning... Nice, I like that. Stealth wealth. Meaning it... Okay, so a Louis Vuitton bag is what, like five grand, right? And it says LV, 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 LV all over it. But... A Birkin bag. Do you know what a Birkin bag is? Are they the ones that are like 85 grand plus? Yeah, yeah, like a Birkin bag. But not only are they 85 plus, you can't just walk in and get one. Mm. You have to be 
at home as customer for a long time and then maybe they put you on a list mm. and maybe you're offered to buy one if you buy a lot of stuff from home so it's a two-way brand to client relationship if that mm. makes sense uh, and that birkin bag even though it's so expensive so hard to get that does not say you know hermes 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 all over it in yeah. fact the little logo is very very small that stealth wealth of kind of not having to shout about it that's probably what yeah when you get higher you know higher yeah, you up get to price a certain points. certain point and it's you, you almost try and hide it actually yeah or well maybe it's more classy maybe it's, it's just more classy to like not have to shout about it for sure it is. that's probably the way i think of it is like you like let's say you're in a room of like 30 people probably the toughest most dangerous person is the one who's like really humble and mm. quiet and nice whereas like the dude who's like acting tough is probably insecure about for sure, for sure. And a lot yeah. of the bling, bling, bling is an insecurity about, look, look how well I'm doing. But I do think there is a cultural thing, depending on where you are. Like, I, I've worked a lot in the UK, in Switzerland, in Dubai, in the Middle East. And there's a lot of Dubai where it's like flashy, flashy. And if you took those people's income and you matched it to the income of those in the UK, I think those people in the UK would definitely be more conservative and Swiss as well. They would be a bit more conservative. They'd still wear the brands, but yeah. they just probably wouldn't wear the like LV, 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 LV sort of thing. They'd probably yeah. just have like a little tiny logo in the corner or or not even. There's, there's certain brands that you get where you don't have a logo on their clothing. Yeah. And oh, that yeah. stuff gets bought. Oh, big time. For example, the Yeezy Foam Runner, right? I don't know if you know what that is trainer yeah it's like a yeah it's like a trainer which is um it's got this like really interesting organic shape no laces or anything like mm -hmm. that and really looks it's like, like an alien yeah it looks like an alien yeah. basically and um that's just a piece of molded foam right it's not that expensive to do really but it's a very expensive trainer and, you know i definitely see it as like essentially a luxury product um but that does not say anywhere adidas yeezy on it mm. that's my favorite example of something mm. that doesn't have a logo on it at all like at all should we take a break yeah dude yeah. awesome we're, like, right. we're on the hour mark as well yeah buddy we're back oh, yeah one thing i like to say on that note is and i got this from gary v which is short-term impatience and long-term patience and exactly. that is how i live my i wake up and do like my brain as soon as i wake up is like boom is like off what can i do what can i do what can i do to get yeah. to the next level but at the same time i have this long-term patience like yeah you want the short-term patience of someone with an attention deficit disorder and yeah. the, the long-term patience of a monk. Yeah, but and it's really interesting because actually one thing that I think is a really interesting point of discussion is nowadays, I think, is the toughest time ever to really pace yourself. And by pace yourself, I don't mean like relax or whatever, but really pace yourself and master a craft get really good at that craft and that takes at least 10 years let's say right i mean there are certain skills say for example in car design that take you know just at least like eight years to get to like a certain level mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter like how good you like it just takes eight years at least probably whereas now all the time what do we listen to we like we mm -hmm. see a podcast and it's like bro i'm making this um, one million a month airbnb are you doing property are you doing investments Nah, dude, stop working at your nine to five and go do mm. an investment job. Or as in like, go invest, do an mm. Airbnb, work for yourself. You should be your own boss. But actually, for example, if you take 
the CEO of a bank, if you take a CEO of a company, when that person was 30 or that person was 28 or whatever, they were just a dude working for that company. Right now, looking at them, we're like, yeah, baller. Look at that. They're doing so well. But there was a time when they were just a, you could probably someone working, you know, Andrew Tate would be like, ah, you're a nobody. You're just, you know, you're just working your dead end job. You're just working your nine to five. So wow, I totally agree. You have to have the patience to master your craft. Mm. If that's what you're going for, you know, th there are people who want to work, say, in science, right? Or whatever whatever other industry including design which takes a long time to get to a point where you can be like yeah i've made it you have to especially nowadays you have to really um stick to that and don't listen to the person mm -hmm. telling you to set up an amazon fba account you know because even i think about that sort of stuff sometimes i'm like oh damn maybe ah oh. Oh, it's short term, short term, we, short we, term. We chatted about this the other time we met up, and I remember saying something to you which I, th I think resonated was, imagine you're sitting in traffic, and you can see the lane next to you is going faster. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I want to get to my destination. So you pull into that lane, and then all of a sudden, that lane gets slower, and the lane that you were in goes faster. And you're like, yeah. God damn, I should be in the other one. You move back. And that's how I think about what you're talking about is... It's not always the best idea to jump ship. Sometimes no. it takes that knuckling down and that laser focus, and that process can take 10, 15 years. There's a great book by Robert Greene called Mastery. Right. Uh, same guy that wrote 48 Laws of yeah, yeah, yeah. Mastery, man, it's a great book. And you're so right, because this day and age, people just want it now. Like, think about everything it. now. If you go on Instagram now, mm. or on YouTube Shorts, or on TikTok, any podcast motivational type content mm. is probably like just off the top of my head, 90% Airbnb, you should do, you should be doing essentially some form of property, some form of drop shipping or some form of, um, what's the other one? Affiliate marketing. Yeah. But dude, that might also be the algorithm kicking in because the algorithms are so smart these days that, cause like my stuff isn't all of that. No, no, no. What I mean is, if you're talking about podcasts which talk about making money, mm. let's say we take the biggest people, right? The the biggest social media money-making motivational, like Andrew Tate, who's the guy with the glasses who's about, like, borrow money? Who's that guy? Oh, the Chinese Rich guy. man, poor dad. Rich guy. man, poor dad. Yeah. yeah. He's always like, borrow money, buy assets, mm. don't buy liabilities. Mm. So him... Andrew Tate, Grant Cardone, Grant Cardone, you know, the video where he's like, if you're making 400 K a year, that's nothing. That's disgusting. You know, I would be ashamed to bring that home, you know, to my wife, Grant Cardone. Who else is there? Gary V. Gary V is the only one that I would exclude from that. Cause he talks a lot about like taking time to like master what you're doing. So yeah. I think he's actually good in that, in that aspect. But if you take the majority of the biggest, What's their like core message? And even if they're not saying subscribe to something like uh, my, my key point is they're pushing you to try and make money, usually through the same forms of like affiliate marketing, property. Mm. It's, it's like nowadays, it's so tempting for so many people who are like struggling within themselves to they want to succeed, they're ambitious to think to doubt themselves and be like, Oh, sh yeah, damn, like, the only way to make money, the only way to be like successful is if I make loads of money really quick on my Etsy store. Mm. 
you should never let that kind of stuff distract you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if you want to be a the top top brain surgeon, right? There's no shortcut to be the top brain surgeon. You have to go through first going to the medical school, then doing operations, then doing operations so much that you start to develop your own technique. Then you you know blah 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 blah, and eventually you're like a top brain surgeon. But you at that point you're like in your forties at least. You're probably in your fifties, and the the most negative message of these podcasts slash whatever is money now, money now. You've got to be successful now, 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 now. But some things take a long time to craft. You know, one thing that I struggle with is exactly what you're talking about, and you know how earlier you said. You're jealous of athletes because they're in their prime and they're 25, sort yeah, of thing. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what's the argument for a performer? Okay, so... Because I often think, oh, like, I'm at my best looking between the ages of 25 and 35. I have to make it in these next 10 years. Or my voice is going to be... The best. There's a lot of argument that is similar, you know, the young man's game in the game of sports... Yeah. There is some argument to be said about the young man's game in the game of TV, film, singing, because you can only play the teenage heartthrob at one stage in your life. For me, that stage and that opportunity has now, you know, I maybe have three more years to make it as a teenage heartthrob in a movie, for example. Right. And then the boat's gone. The ship sailed. So, one thing, so... Linking exactly to that, there's a there's a guy I know who's you know recently turned like thirty or thirty one or whatever, and he's you know by any normal accounts he's doing really well. Like I work with him, he's really good at what he does, etc. But he clearly has this thought of like, oh man, I'm thirty, haven't really made it yet. I'm still like paying my mortgage, blah blah blah. And I said to him, and I always use the example. I think my mom told me it, but Dustin Hoffman, you know Dustin Hoffman, the actor. Mm-hmm. I said to him, think about, say, Dustin Hoffman. He, I think, was a nobody failed actor until he was, like, 40. I think his first, like, proper big role was in his, like, late 30s, right? And there's loads of actors like that, but that's just an example I always think to myself. And I said to him, like, dude, you're 30 now. Dustin Hoffman only started doing big roles in his late 30s. Sure, maybe even in, like, acting and singing, whatever, there is more of a pressure to do it while you're young. Just because that's the tendency, there are clear and evident examples mm. of people who've done it in their late 30s or whatever. That's one thing I like about Gary Vee is he's like, you've got time. You know, I didn't start doing something until I was at mm-hmm. least like 35, so take your time. That message needs to be pushed more in general to the masses. Because yeah, because you have to master your craft. You, you do, you do. And, and do you know what? There's something beautiful about that. There's something beautiful about, like, why should the 18-year-old be ahead of the 40-year-old? Like, there's something amazing about people that have put in years of work. The reward is going to feel way better to that 40-year-old than the 18-year-old. Yeah, and, and, and ultimately, some paths that people will choose just require you to do that. There's no, like, option, mm. you know. Um, that hierarchy of things it's funny because I chatted about this in my first podcast and another uh, with Charlotte a a musician busker and one thing that I asked her was why is it that some songwriters produce their best work at 17 years old and then they keep songwriting and by the time they're 35 it still hasn't eclipsed the 17 year old because you would think any kind of skill is a the more you work at it the better you get 
but with songwriting you can be a 16 year old kid that hit, makes a hit from zero yeah. work and also I, i'm not being funny but like i've never really had a singing lesson really no, like, no, no, until no. i was like yeah. 25 yeah. years old and there are certain things where you can like, i'm never going to be a, a basketball player right yeah there are certain things where you have such an edge over people oh yeah exactly. and on a separate note i think that people should analyze themselves determine what combination of things they're good at and they enjoy yeah and that are naturally come towards them yeah and then make that your life mission and grant cardone says stuff like um no you shouldn't do what you're passionate about like you should do things that make you money and then you'll this get passionate is, honestly, about dude, it this is the thing i find it ridiculous that well that i think that's so damaging i honestly think that makes so many people depressed when they hear that because dude i'm not if i try to do property right yeah fundamentally i'm not naturally good at that sort of thing he's a sales guy yeah, like, own is naturally exactly some good people are naturally good at that i'm not going to be naturally good at that why would i do something that loads of other people are doing a mm. and loads of other people naturally have the advantage are better at mm. why would i do that it's so weird like but a lot of people listen to that and they're like oh yeah you're right yeah okay i'm gonna get a rental property and uh yeah i'll start with one and uh yeah I'll listen to the samuel leeds course mm. and uh, i'll buy the course and i'll get myself a mentor and then i'll maybe get three rental properties dude i'm gonna address the camera for this one if you <laughs> listen yeah if you are naturally good at something and you find that you are getting better at it quicker than your peers and you enjoy it then you have to pursue that that is your life calling that you have to pursue because you'll do well from it anyway you've got yeah. that natural advantage it's like when you're 12 13 years old you can tell who the best sprinters are and who are built for sprinting or who's going to be tall or who's going to be big or everybody has something within them that is a natural innate talent and if you haven't figured out what that is yet then actually like gary v says you should just try loads of things in your 20s try loads of things and whatever the thing that you feel like you're the best at and you enjoy why wouldn't you pursue that as, yeah, as yeah, something yeah. as a career um and even if you're doing a little bit of it a day like you can still have your job your nine to five job which is getting you your steady income but then why wouldn't you pursue a couple hours of the day to you have to pursue the, the thing that a comes naturally to you most and that you're best at or, what, sorry or that, that you enjoy doing and what we've done is exactly that yeah you and i have relentlessly pursued that and we did it at an age where we were young enough to take the risk and i think in some sense, what I do is more of a risk because I don't get paid a steady salary. Yeah. But we both took the, the risk on the passion and the thing that we were good at. And we have relentlessly pursued that for the last Yeah, because I mean, I, my, so my mom's obviously like an artist and designer. So I was doing drawing lessons from like the age of eight, surrounded by like artistic graphical thinking and conversations with her constantly looking at paintings looking at graphics looking at proportions etc surrounded that with by that all my life always drawing etc why would i drop doing that and get a do an a affiliate marketing 
whatever Etsy store. You've actually you've made that point pretty good to both of us because I feel like we yeah. talked about this before. I mean, we both at some point were like, yeah, maybe we should be doing like. Yeah, dude. Honestly, I've had that. I remember we were like in the pool and like I am not immune to it because I want to be successful as successful as I can possibly be. I want to do as best as I can possibly do, and so I suffer with those same like inner battles mm. where I'm like, oh man, you know, oh damn, I should really. I'm going to do an FBA store. I'm going to do an Amazon store. Yeah, I reckon I could do it. I'm so glad I didn't give into that sort of thing because you mm -hmm. have to pace yourself and be like, you know what? I'm going to stick to it, whatever it takes. And I have the belief in myself that it's going to succeed. And I'm going to master this craft. I'm going to do, I'm going to stick to this particular thing. Mm. I'm at a bit of a crossroads at the moment because I have kind of done all of the venues in London that I want right. to do, right? I've done all of the like prestigious jazz venues that bar a couple that I would like to do. Yeah. And I'm like, where does that leave me? In what I found is in the UK, because of our conservative nature and the gatekeeper aspect of things, yeah. it actually takes a lot of work to get to a certain place. And I've actually achieved more for my career in Dubai over the accumulative space of five months than I have doing this for three and a bit years professionally in, in London. Yeah. And I'm at a crossroads where like, dude, yesterday I was, I was looking at Nollywood. You know what that is? Nollywood? No, no, no. What's that? Do you know what Bollywood is? Yeah. So it's like Indian Hollywood. Well, Nollywood is Nigerian Hollywood. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, they're going to love her. They're going to love her like a, a British actor over there. Because um, I, I my, by the way, bro, that's not actually that bad. Well, this is I what did. I'm talking about. That's I'm actually kind of smart. <laughs> I'm, at these, I'm at these crossroads. I'm always my brain does not stop trying to think outside the box. But it's back to that analogy with the like driving and being in the lane. It's like, do I switch lanes now or do I stay in this lane, laser focused on the London scene and like plow through London? But I feel like London is like the amount of work you put in doesn't get you as far. Whereas right. if I went over to china now oh yeah or if i went to nigeria now or what i did in dubai do that, that I, I excelled over there yeah i excelled and i got all of the castings and all of the jobs anything i touched i got in london it's like do you know how many actors and there are that kind of look like me oh, and that have more have a better credits um, there's not too many that do what I do with the, the, the singing, but there are a few guys out there. But do you know how many there are in Nollywood? Probably none. Zero. Probably none. So what I did when I went over to Dubai was I, I saw this quote where it's like, you don't want to be the best at something, you want to be the only. Because yeah. when you're the only, you're a monopoly, man. You, yeah, that's true. You call the shots. You call the, how much you want to charge? Well, I'm in a monopoly. I charge whatever the hell I want to charge. That's a smart tactic. Um, that's a smart tactic. And yeah, so I'm at that crossroads now, which kind of goes against what we were saying, because we're talking about now you've got to like knuckle down and stay focused. And I'm kind of thinking, well, I'm maybe going to jump shit. Yeah. And also one, this is the thing with any piece of like life advice comes this other side of the coin. Of so when, when you say I need something now, I need something now, I need something now, the other side of the coin is what we were saying, like you pace yourself away. But when you're saying, it's fine. You've got time. Pace yourself. You're going to do, you know, you don't have to succeed by both. Short term impatience, long term patience. Yeah, exactly. And that's why you then have to be like, all right, well, that 
if you know you're working hard, then you, it's okay to think like that. But also, you can't use that as an excuse. Like, yeah. Yeah. Right I've got time. It's fine. Yeah, I'm pacing myself, dude. I'm just chipping. Yeah, that, that's why I like the Gary V message, because he does talk about the both sides of the coin. And I remember, like, my brother is seven years younger than me, which is a whole nother lifetime. He's living through the steps in life that I have lived through, right? Yeah. So when we meet up, you know, I try and give him some nuggets that might help him along the way that maybe I would have liked to have heard from an older brother at that age. And, you know, one time he was like, advice is so circumstantial and personal. Just because that's your life advice doesn't mean that that's going to reflect on me. Absolutely. And it's so true. Everyone's life is so different. Any advice you hear, any, you take with a pinch of salt. Oh, yeah. Don't listen to anything anyone says that hasn't achieved anything. Yeah, and even if someone's achieved something... And even if uh, they have. You don't treat it as gospel, yeah. necessarily. Unless they're, unless it's like they've done exactly what you are trying to do. And, like, and even then, dude, and do you know, then, I used to yeah. Google all the time rugby players and their Wikipedia page and, yeah. and actors and their Wikipedia page. All the time I'd be like, what age should they get this? Or if I followed their path and then... Yeah. And what I started to realize is I Googled so many different people and each of them was kind of different. Like, yes, there was a theme where certain, there were certain pathways that you can go down. But if you're not part of those pathways, that doesn't mean that you can't make it in that field. Yeah. Because there are so many examples and anomalies. I'd say the only single rule that you have to follow that will apply always is... Are you pushing yourself as much as you possibly can? A, that rule never goes wrong. Whatever, whatever it opinion. takes. Whatever, whatever it, it takes. takes. Are you doing whatever it takes? B, are you, and within that, are you doing stuff that you don't really want to do within, sure, you enjoy the thing, right? But I don't care who you are, you will, I don't care what you're doing, I don't care how much you love doing it, there are times you do something that you do not want to do whether it's like a bodybuilder dieting for a show. They don't mm. want to, they want to cheat on the first thing they do. As soon as the show's over, they have a cheat meal, right? They want to eat the nice food, but obviously they discipline themselves. So they, they have that discipline, but you have to always check yourself. Like when's the last time I did something I didn't really want to do, but I did it anyway. I remember listening to a rugby match and the, and the commentator goes, you can see he's fed up. And, and the commentator went and you, you have to remember people that rugby is still a job. It's still a job and you can still get fed up with it. It might be the best job in the world if you love rugby, but it's still a job. And I remember thinking at the time I was younger, I was like, oh, if I was a rugby player, I'd never be fed up or bored of it or anything. And this is a message that I would love to share with people. I've been in a rugby setup. I've lived the life of a full-time rugby athlete. And I've been a professional singer and a professional actor. Those three jobs probably cover a lot of people's dream jobs. If you're like a, a guy growing up, like there's probably loads of people that want to be a professional actor, professional singer, professional rugby player. Yeah. And I will tell you this from experience is they are the best jobs in the world, if that's what you love to do, but they're still a job. And at some point you're going to have to do things that are menial tasks are boring and you that's have it. to push through them. Yep. There is no job in this world that even, exactly. even, and this is a quite a crude example, dude, 
even porn stars, right? <laughs> it's true, dude. I they're, it's true. They're probably smashing Viagra because <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like, are. oh, I've got to, I've got to. I've got to have sex with this girl again. Like every job becomes a no, job. Um, and another thing that I've realized is you always want to top the next high. Like I remember, I remember coming off the stage, two and a half, three thousand people at the Dubai Opera House, going to my dressing room, and I was like, and I allow myself this one moment where I like had this moment to myself. Yeah. When that moment was over, I was like, okay, what's next? Yeah. And you're trying to top the next thing, which I think, by the way, is a great thing to have in business. Like you're constantly trying to one yeah, up absolutely. yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. But the things that I do now to my 15 year old self, he'd be like, oh, wow. Like what a life this guy's living, like yeah. tra traveling the world, like filming, being part Whereas of Whereas now we, we might take things exactly like eight years ago, if you would have said to me, oh, you'd, you'd be doing this, I'd be like, oh, that's crazy. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. Whereas now I'm like taking things for granted i'm like oh no, no i'm not happy with this i'm not happy with that that's it's, it's interesting isn't so it? you gotta stay which is also good because that's part of the progression yes because if you if you were doing something and you were like always happy with a particular thing then you're easily satisfied and you can't progress it's actually a good it means that you're progressing because once you get used to like mm -hmm. a particular thing that before you would have like died for that means you're progressing. That's actually also a good sign. It's a very good sign. And I think to combat this, by the way, and this is something that I do regularly, in the mornings I have like a little moment to right. just focus on what I'm appreciating and what I'm grateful for. Because I do say things like, I appreciate traveling the world and singing for a living. Yeah. And I take that moment to appreciate it. And when that moment's done, it's like, okay, what's the next? Like, how do we get to the next stage? Yeah. Um, so I think it's important to have those moments, not to celebrate too often, but to celebrate the big wins. I think you should do that. Yeah, um, and be grateful for them. And be grateful and for them. how far you've come. And at the same time, be disgusted at how far you've come. And yeah. be repelled by the facts that you're not further than where you can yeah, be. Yeah, absolutely. I, lo I love that mentality. I love the mentality of like... I guess it's, I guess it's slightly different, but it's that, that thought of like... Uh, Okay. Oh, dude. Wait. Uh, I did press the button, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be hilarious if you didn't. <laughs> well, I didn't press the button, but we have two audios. Okay. From here. It won't sound as clean as this, but it yeah. will sound. I'll get it like <laughs> so The headphones on. I'm happy, bro. This is fun. <laughs> I love it. This is what we do anyway. This exactly. is we just meet up, we chat, we chat shit. <laughs> this is now we're just professionals. Oh man, that is so. That's good. Oh man, what can I say? Too many rugby games. <laughs> <laughs> I just looked down and I was like, oh shit, ah, shit, bro, shit, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, we're, I'm a meathead what can I say I'm a meathead we're meatheads meathead bro whatever it takes low IQ EQ also low <laughs> <laughs> zero social skills and awareness no actually kind of like what we said at the beginning yep I think we've got good IQ <laughs> not we do we not, do not you know, we, we know people that have higher IQ. I think we've got this nice balance of IQ and EQ where 
I think the reason I did so well in my degree, I got dean commendation in both my undergrad yeah, and master. Smashed it, yeah. But dude, that wasn't to do with my intellect. Like I would go to the lecturers out of office hours, and I would ask about their kids and how their boxing training was going. <laughs> Yeah. Suck a few dicks. <laughs> <laughs> you manipulated them into it. <laughs> um, no, yeah. I just, I think I constantly thought outside the box. Yep. And um, that is why I did well. And if you ask me anything to do with economics now, I couldn't tell you a thing. <laughs> yeah. But I somehow got an 80% average, which is like close to, I remember one time I'd done this lecture and uh, I went over to the lecturer and I was like, I'm going to get 100% in this exam. And he like laughed at me and he was like, you can't. Long story short, I got 96, 97%. The next week, he came up to me and he was like, um, we want to put you forward for um, an economics master's at LSE. And I was just like, I don't want to do that for a start. And also I was like, I'm the last person you'd want on an economics master's. Like, I know nothing about economics. <laughs> I'm terrible at this. I just knew how to regurgitate the information in a way which was like that's a mark and that's a mark yeah 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 is that a good way of learning things probably not but it has taught me a skill of how to complete something to a high level that somebody else sees as a high level yep um it's, it's not necessarily about how smart you are no that's so true honestly like um i mean i can't even press play on a podcast <laughs> 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 i can't even <laughs> But this is the thing, like, I think my IQ is, like, maybe just a bit above, I remember, in, like, year 10, when, like, Peter and, like, people were, like, doing IQ tests, and his was, like, 140 or something, or, like, super high, and I remember doing one, and mine was, like, like just above average, I remember being, like, nah, 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 let me retry it, right, I kept, like, <laughs> retrying it, and it was always, like, 110. To be honest, I think it's good, because I think if you uh, over, I don't know, I mean, who knows? in like 20 years we can judge but i'm like i wouldn't want to be smarter do you know what? I, <laughs> you know i think you're right though i, think I don't want a higher iq anyway the smarter Shit. you get like someone like elon musk if you ask him like what's it like being that smart i've seen his answer is like oh dude you wouldn't want to be this smart he's like he looks <laughs> yeah. tired he's like it's draining yeah it's draining and also i think once you get past a certain point you start to realize things that actually make life a little bit sad like when you what's the way that? we're happy in our bliss ignorance Ign ignorance is bliss <laughs> i'm happy being a meathead just pumping weights yeah <laughs> I don't, if we don't me, care you know, so long as i've so long as At the end of the day we're lifting weights dude so long as i look huge on this camera i don't care that's right what oh, i'm yeah. saying well, let me just make so far as big <laughs> so, far, so far as i <clears throat> i'm just relaxing right now when i watch this back I'm going to watch the full two hours. <laughs> I'm going to watch the full two hours with no audio. <laughs> just to see the Whoa, angles. You look big. Just to see the angles, bro. That's we just want to be big. Oh, okay. Right. This is something we actually have to touch on. Okay. AI in creativity. Okay. I'm trying to think how to word this correctly. So, you know, sometimes when you listen to a song... And that song you listened to 10 years ago and you haven't listened to it for 10 years and you've listened to it and it takes you back literally to that moment. And it's like the super mm -hmm. nostalgic feeling and money cannot buy that. Mm -hmm. Money cannot buy that. I really think that potentially AI might be able to figure out a way to cater content to you to where each time you consumed it, 
you'll get that feeling. Yeah. Which would be insane. Well, it would, but then... And a human can't compete with that. Here's the thing, right? We discovered many years ago how to become a monster of a human by taking steroids, for example. That doesn't mean we do it. I think there's a downside to all of these things that people aren't taking into account. Like, let's say AI does do that and manages to figure out the exact thing for your algorithm. Well, it will have a decreasing marginal rate of return. So every time that that happens, you have to one-up it. It's kind of like the dopamine. Yeah, maybe, but it'll become like that feeling of being exact. You know, when you watch a movie that just hits the spot exactly, it's exactly like the movie yeah, but, you love. But why AI will be able to cater. Why does it hit the that? spot? I, I think it hits the spot because it comes around once in a while. I don't think you can emulate those situations constantly. You'll, you'll become used to it. You'll get accustomed to it. Um, I think that the best, the most pleasurable things in life come after the amount of hardship you've been through. You can't just be, you know, they're, they're saying now that we've become too good at pushing our own buttons. That's the idea of like, yeah. we know how to hit the dopamine thing. Yeah. Well, actually, like, I make it an active decision to suppress the dopamine. Yeah. I'll go for long periods of time doing everything in my power to suppress that AI and hitting those buttons will become to the point where people are like, what the, what the hell is this all about? Like, why am I just constantly trying to, I think that the life. Yeah. Like, but do you ever, rather than Googling something, are you ever like, ah, I'm not going to Google this and get the answer straight away. I think I'm going to head down to the library and I'm going to reset, you know, let's say you're like, nah, oh, how well, do I lay down a wooden floor? Ah, I'm not going to Google it today. Dude, I don't Google it. I huh? chat I chat GPT it. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. But do you ever, like, honest question, would you ever even consider, let's say you, let's say the microphone wasn't working or something, you're like, oh, I need to figure out how this works. Let me head down to the library. No. And I'm no. going to get on the tube and I'm going to blah, blah, blah. And then I'm going to find the book because that's literally how you used to research stuff. Now, would you ever even consider that? No, but the reason I wouldn't is because it, it saves me time. And then it's time that I spend on the way I want to live my life. And I think all humans right. will get to the point where they have that time because the menial tasks, the like labor jobs are kind of sorted and everyone will get to a point where you have to decide how you want to live your life. Right. And a lot of people will say, well, no, AI will never be able to replace the human touch. But I disagree. I, I don't want to agree. Like, for example, right now with, you know, Mid Journey and whatever, these AI image creating programs, they can create such awesome images with like a quick prompt. And it takes all the fun out for me, for example, because my whole like part of the fun is mm. I'm like laboring over a sketch and I'm like, oh, is it going to work? Is it? And then you do it and you're like, damn, I'm so proud. I'm just really happy with that image. And it's like this amazing emotional process of like creating an image that's in, in, in many senses gone, right? Mm. Whether we like it or not, that's gone, you know. Mm. Um, we've, we've got to adapt and move on to the so next thing. we have thing. to adapt. And There's going to be loads of examples like that where it's gone. And then it, you get to the point where you think, well, where does that leave you as a human being? Well, I think... Scary. Everybody will be able to make the choice with their time as to what they want to do. That does not change a thing for me, yeah. really. Yeah. Sure, the like parameters of the game might change. And then it becomes a different game. And yeah, and but, ultimately, that's how, that's how I think of it as well is... While it's fun to like dabble in like AI dooming where you're like AI will just take away or create it. But actually uh, really thinking about it, the way I think of it is 
it's actually a super awesome amazing empowering tool that will just allow you to like get to your creative solutions quicker if you're creating something the only thing that matters is the end final result right um in terms of the consumer products but yeah but ultimately yeah i, I get like you enjoy like creating it as part of the fun but ultimately if your job if you've been told i need you to write a song okay. someone has got here's an example right yeah let's say you and i both now had access to everything on an on an elon musk level right yeah. billionaires yeah do whatever you want with your time we'd still go to the gym because that's what we would want to do right but the gym is the only thing that's immune to ai now that is that is true that is Any, why everything if, yeah everything is immune is not no, everything will be affected to ai apart from the gym dude that is the best way to end this podcast Bro. we are the gym will never die <laughs> we will forever be meatheads yeah i will always forget to press the record button <laughs> <laughs> Woo! oh dude i can't wait for round two we're gonna yeah. do this again we've we got we gotta end it there because time wise yeah but Man, I can't wait to do another one of these. That's awesome. I think this our, was great because this was literally just us chatting. <laughs> <laughs> I think our eighteen-year-old selves would be like, "Yeah, yeah, we just did a podcast. We just did a podcast. That's sick." Let's let's call it because yeah, I man. think time-wise, we gotta yeah, perfect. Wrap it. Woo! Yeah, buddy. Awesome. Hey, I'm gonna press the red button.